Welcome to No Compromise Radio, a ministry coming to you from Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. No Compromise Radio is a program dedicated to the ongoing proclamation of Jesus Christ. Based on the theme in Galatians 2 verse 5, where the Apostle Paul said, But we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour, so that the truth of the gospel would remain with you. In short, if you like smooth, watered-down words to make you simply feel good, this show isn't for you. By purpose, we are first biblical but we can also be controversial. Stay tuned for the next 25 minutes as we're called by the divine trumpet to summon the troops for the honor and glory of her king. Here's our host, Pastor Mike Abendroth. Welcome to No Compromise Radio Ministry. My name is Mike Abendroth. Here with Steve Cooley. Hi, how are you? Steve, what if we would take our unregenerate selves and mold them together? We could have a Lutheran Mormon or a Mormon Lutheran. What would that really look like? I don't know, but it's making my head spin. <laughs> well-dressed, well-groomed. That wouldn't have been me. Yeah. I was an acolyte for the Lutheran Church, and I remember to this day when you had to light the candles to signify the service was beginning, that you were to hold it with two hands, and you were to keep your right elbow up. That was one of the things I remember. Like if you're shooting a basketball, keep that elbow away. See? Yeah. Yeah. And so, what's that beef, you know, when you teach a kid to play basketball, right? Bend your knees, eyes on the hoop, (coughs) elbow in, follow through, beef. Oh, right, okay. You know who taught me that? No, I've not. Tomek, our Polish missionary. Really? Yeah, beef. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if there's one for pork. (laughs) Chicken. So... (laughs) Now, now I'm all messed up. What was uh, what were we talking about again? I, I think we were going to talk about how to play horse. Oh yes, in basketball. And so, the, we had an eight thirty service at the Lutheran Church, Calvary Lutheran, and then we had an eleven o'clock service. And so, the acolyte at the eight thirty service, when the service was over, he snuffed the candles in an inappropriate way, so firmly and with so much strength that he broke off one of the wicks. So when I showed up at 11 o'clock to start the service and light the candles, it would not light. So what did you do? Offer strange fire? (laughs) That's good. (laughs) So he had only five candles instead of six, and I think it threw off the the mojo of of what was going on. Mm. Uh, In that sacramental system, I would regularly hear Steve after communion, and we would have real alcohol, of course. We would have these wafers that had kind of a... I would often hear, I'll have another. <clears throat> Steve, what do you call that? Uh, you were trying to print a bulletin the other day, or not a bulletin, but something that had like a little watermark on it. What's that? Is that the, uh, it's, it's called, called a watermark, okay. yeah. Well, our communion wafers had like little cross watermarks, these really? little raised Like a little things. imprint in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you put them in your mouth, they would stick to the roof of your mouth. And it was like... And, you know, you could try to get that uh, excise somehow. But anyway, I would remember our pastor, and he would say, based on the authority vested in me, hmm. I now pronounce your sins forgiven. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. That is fascinating to me. Now Who, we, who gave him that uh, authority? Was that the <laughs> Nebraska governor? Or? I guess it's the ELCA Nebraska governor, maybe John, not John Kerry. We had Bob Kerry. Okay. Yeah, but not in those days. So, anyway, I was glad to be rescued from a 
faith that didn't save. I believe Jesus was God. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe that he's the only savior. I believed in sin. I believed I was a sinner. I believe in hell, heaven. Yet I did not understand how the benefits of Christ's life were given to me. And that is through the non-meritorious instrument of faith alone. Well, I mean, it sounds pretty much like a, uh, I mean, it sounds a little Catholic to me. Well, here's the funny thing, Steve. I grew up across the street from St. James Catholic Church, and so the nuns had a little house there, and and uh, I always appreciated the nuns because they would go golfing over in the area there behind the church, and then they wouldn't find their golf balls, so we would go to find the golf balls, and then we'd sell them to other people. Oh, I thought you'd go back and sell them to the nuns. <laughs> I'm going, I don't know how that went over back in those days. And the nuns across the street thought my father looked like Billy Graham. Really? Yeah, I guess it, I guess that that's all kind of a convergence Cause, there. Because they knew Billy Graham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So. He, they were big Billy Graham fans. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can go to NoCo Radio. You can go to The Tuesday Guy. You put in a little at in front of there. Or you can... Or you can... Not. <laughs> It's your choice. Free so, will. So Steve and I are going to talk a little bit about things that aren't found in the Bible today. Isn't that they're, interesting? They're just not there. They're not found in the Bible. Okay. Yes. What does this do to our doctrine of sola scriptura and the sufficiency of scripture if things aren't found in the Bible? Well, then we would not care about them very much. <laughs> but we'll do a whole show. <laughs> Speaking of which, before we get into it, because we will talk about biblical subjects, things not found in the Bible... To preach about would be especially wrong. I remember S. Lewis Johnson saying that he wouldn't preach on creeds on a Sunday morning because they're not scriptural. You know, a conference or something like that. Let's talk about Heidelberg or Westminster, 1689. Steve, when you were preaching through John and you came to the woman uh, who was uh, caught in adultery and Jesus kneeling down and writing something in the sand, uh, you know this better than I do because you just studied it, but my guess is John seven fifty three through eight ten ish or something like that. Yeah, I think it's eight eleven. But yeah, <clears throat> since it's not in Scripture, would you preach that? Why wouldn't you preach it? What's the thought process? Uh, and and what we do want to stay away from is now we can't trust the Bible. Something we don't like in the Bible, so we just say it's not in there. Well, it is a good question. I mean, I was just reading somebody today who quoted, you know, John 8, uh, the early part there, and said, um, you, you know, let he who is perfect cast the first stone or whatever it says there. Um, what was the process? Well, you really, I mean, I wanted to look at the context, the immediate context, and just see that uh, it doesn't really fit the immediate context. And as you study it, it what you find out is that uh, that passage so didn't fit the the um, that section. So didn't fit the passage that people actually stuck it in different areas. It's in it's in Luke in one manuscript, and it's in you know different places because uh, even the scribes, as they were copying down the New Testament, realized that that passage did not belong there. It doesn't fit the context at all. It interrupts the whole thing. If you read before it, uh, the Pharisees had already decided they wanted to kill Jesus. They had already decided they wanted to arrest him. They'd already sent people to arrest him. And instead of doing all that, they dragged this woman caught in the act of adultery in front of him. And you're like, well, why would they do that? That doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't fit the the uh, concept after, you know, the, the flow of argument afterwards. And if you just remove the whole section, 
then everything flows perfectly and it makes all the sense in the world. So it it really just doesn't belong there. Lots of seminary um, thoughts come back to mind, Steve, where there'll be non-Johannine words used in that section. Right. Is that correct? Yes. Steve, what if you had your life verse Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned? That would be sad times. <clears throat> because again... Mark sixteen sixteen is not there. What is, I think eight is the last uh, last verse we believe is in the. That's correct. Some a lot of people have sixteen fifteen for their life verse. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. It's a it's so, a great it's a great command, right? But it's just uh, probably something Jesus never said. Steve, in no compromise land, this is after Thanksgiving. But in real time, this is before Thanksgiving, one week prior to Thanksgiving, and there outside the building of the Deluxe Radio Studios in Burbank, California, No Compromise Radio, I see one, two, three, four. There's about 22 huge wild turkeys in our parking lot. And you know what I'm thinking right now? I could save a whole lot of money. I mean, because we'll have probably three or four turkeys, so... We'll have three or four. (laughs) So let's talk about a few things that aren't in the Bible, just because it's a lever. It's a wedge. It's a a way that we can get to the biblical issues. Okay, let's do that. Um, Let's see, 67 surprising things not found in the Bible. How many can you guess? Uh, I'm trying to think. This is at ChristianPost.com under news. And I don't know who wrote it. I'm guessing it's it says editor's note, and there's a picture of David Householder. Wasn't he in some movie? I I don't know. I know Paul, his brother Paul Householder, played uh, professional baseball. Okay, so. good. I have no idea who David Hassel Hasselhoff is. There, uh, there, there. That's who David, it is. <laughs> David Householder, but he looks kind of, if I may say, metro. Okay, well, that could be true. The devil has horns and a pitchfork. Uh, there is uh, nothing in the Bible that says that he's got horns and a pitchfork. No, and there's nothing that says he went down to Georgia because he was in a bind. He was way behind. He was willing to make a deal. Funny. If we could see Satan today, don't you think he would be a brilliantly beautiful angel masquerading as an angel of light? Don't you think? What, what's, what's with the red skin and the pitchfork? I don't know. I always thought he'd look like Sauron. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know what he'd look like, but yeah, he probably doesn't have red horns and a pitchfork. And so I, I mean, if I could just be candid here, Noco style, I don't really ever want to see Satan. If I, you know, if I could just be perfectly candid, you know, wherever he is, he can stay there. Um, I don't want to see him. Yeah. Here he says something not found in the Bible, angels with wings. I find that fascinating in light of Isaiah chapter yeah, six. six. Yeah, with yeah, where it describes that he that they actually have six wings. Um, yeah, that's pretty bizarre. So I, I'm going to so, I'm going to have to put him down as not a biblical scholar. He says, "Yes, seraphim, the burners have wings, and no, the Bible never for, identifies seraphim as angels." <sighs> Ditto cherubim, plural of cherub, who are intimidating beasts in the Bible, but turned into fat, naked, winged babies on the walls of Italian churches. Is that, it, that's at least funny. It, yeah, is this guy a pastor or just a... I <laughs> we can look at the very end and find uh, out. DavidHouseholder.com, that's all I know. I just like to pontificate about things I know very little about. 
Yeah, well, he says uh, that there's uh, no such thing as a singular apocalyptic Antichrist figure used in plural by John. He means in First John plural, the spirit of the Antichrist, when you're saying Jesus is not... Uh, clothe himself with humanity and there's no incarnation. That's the spirit of the Antichrist. You're against Jesus, but I think the book of Revelation might. Would, would have something else to say, yep. Okay. Yep. I, I, I don't really, I don't know where he went to seminary, but I'm glad I didn't go to it. So, Well, he's got some, some movie theology here. Okay. Uh, number seven, that people mock Noah for building an ark. By the way, seven pairs of many animals were taken to the ark, not just two by two. Oh, oh okay. I, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was unaware. It's brand new. Yeah, it's not like, you know, we, yeah. we read the account. Or Steve, did you see the Noah movie? I did not see it. I, I wanted to, but uh, I, I think I was just washing my hair that night. Okay, Steve, tell me this. I didn't want to see the Noah movie. I had no okay, desire to see it. it. Yeah. But there's something in me that kind of wants to see the Exodus movie. Why? Why do I, I think that? I, well, you know, we, we saw an advertisement for it the other day, and the special effects, I mean, the special effects for the Noah movie were cool, too, but I don't know, there's just something about these special effects that really look cool. Uh, but the problem I have with it is, you know, if they just updated the Ten Commandments, you know, and made it probably a little more biblical, excised some of the nonsense out of it, then I would probably like it a lot. But I don't think that's what they're going to do, you know. I wonder if they'll make like eight commandments, 12 commandments. How would that work? Or, or the uh, you know, 15 commandments where he comes down and then drops one of the tablets. I've got 15. No, 10 commandments. I just thought maybe we could just get rid of the 10 commandments and we could just have the seven promises of a promise keeper. Might mm, be yeah, seven promises is a promise breaker. How about any prohibitions against certain kinds of peripheral cuss words so while i think steve <laughs> well i mean i think it's interesting peripheral cuss words yeah what about a non-peripheral what, swear word something that gets right to the heart <laughs> i i don't you think what he's trying to say i i think uh, i read that earlier don't you think what he's trying to say is anything other than taking god's name in vain i mean right uh, you know. and you know when uh, I, and i like our friends at way of the master uh, i don't think they're correct in in kind of making taking the name of god in vain swear words i'm not so sure that, that they do a good job there but let's talk about cuss words in general because for a while there was a cussing pastor in in evangelicalism and to his credit he said he didn't want to do that anymore and repented and so i haven't brought that up with his name since but there are other people that talk about what is really a cuss word for after all uh hell in germany uh, when i saw hell on a big sign i think it means light or something like that you know and you're in different places and different words mean different things and so why would just a, a string of consonants and vowels be something bad well that's an interesting question so let's go to the scriptures <laughs> In the book of Ephesians, as you well know, the first three chapters are primarily doctrine, not exclusively, but primarily doctrine, and then the second three chapters are application. So, with that as a foundation, Ephesians chapter 4, and then I'm going to read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, just a verse in each one. Uh, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So if you think about that, and then you ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to give grace to someone 
who hears it, and then you think about all the epithets you're about to utter? I think the answer is probably no. And then Ephesians 5, uh, verse 4, I think also right on the money. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So, you know, are we to tell off-color jokes? Uh, are we to use profanity and all these things? I, I, I think probably not. And if you look at James, what it says about controlling the tongue, if you can't control your tongue, your religion is worthless. I think all these things and more, you know, what did Jesus say? It's not what... Uh, goes in, goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out. And you, you just go on and on and on. And I think there's something more to be said about language than there is to be said about a lot of things. Steve, when we consider Romans chapter 14 and 15 and liberty we have in Christ, and let's say we're discussing tobacco, we're discussing alcohol, we're discussing, oh, there's a variety of things we could use, meat offered to idols or something. People try to use the liberty card for the way they talk, swearing and cuss words, and it's this kind of cool thing to do. It's edgy and everything else. You've just talked about scripture, and so that is our primary uh, authority. Obviously, it's our only, only authority. But when I think secondarily of men that I respect, let's say we have John MacArthur over and we're taking him in the, in the car from Boston. We're stuck in traffic. I like this theory. Yeah. And, yeah. and he starts yelling out some of these things about the crazy Boston traffic. Or we go to Martin, we go to Martin Lloyd Jones home and he's really mad at Parliament and the Queen. And so he, he throws some expletives out. Or we're at S. Lewis Johnson's house and he and Martha are sitting there having a tea. Please come over. And he starts using horrible words about the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, nobody that I respect, my point is, no one I respect talks in a filthy way. Well, here's what I would say. I would go, well, you know what? Sure, he uses a lot of swear words, but boy, he can preach it on Sunday. (laughs) So maybe he has since changed. I haven't looked except maybe probably three months ago. So Desiring God and Piper have Paul Tripp speak, and I think they're speaking something about what comes out of the heart, you know, and, and all that. And so Paul has that little discussion with his children. He was saying that certain swear words about marital intimacy would be incorrect because it's crude and rude. And uh, we just don't want to talk about, uh, talk about a marital union with some of those awful words. He also said that it would be improper to talk about God or using the word God for swearing or, or damning other people in some offhanded way. And so I was with him. I was two for two on that. But I believe, if memory serves me, he said something about his child asking him, well, what makes certain words wrong when they're just slang for excrement? And so then Paul Tripp, if memory serves, I think five times said a word that I would not say. I'm not even going to spell it on No Compromise Radio. I wish he wouldn't have done that. I wish Piper would have taken that thing down, desiring God taking that thing down, because this is exactly what we're talking about here, and I think it's inappropriate, and it's not helpful for evangelicals. Well, that's easy for us to say because we have a, a little button that allows us to just edit out all the expletives that we... Oh, wait, we, we don't. Steve, I understand uh, what it's like to have a dirty mind 
and to have a potty mouth and then get saved and still suffer from the sins that I committed before I got saved. Thankfully, I don't say a lot of swear words. I can't think of many that I've said in the last 20 years, but I sometimes think them. Yeah. And Steve, it is a, it is a kind of a nightmare that I have that what if I said something from the pulpit that was not good or right, would there be enough capital earned for me to beg people's forgiveness? Because sometimes when I see certain words in the Bible, I'm not blaming the Bible, I'm blaming my own dirty mind. Things come into my mind because of word associations and thought associations. It's a struggle. Well, and and I, I think it's, with what you said, you know, about how we come out of a, a background where it's no big deal. I mean, I, I was, I, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, but I was reading something that one of my unbelieving friends posted the other day. And here's, here's my take on this. Even before I was saved, I started thinking, you know what? The way people talk all the time out on the street and everything else, you know, because I was a police officer, does that make me sound more intelligent or less intelligent? You know, if I want to sound like everybody else, don't I mean, obviously, I don't want to sound like I'm just some kind of pompous dope. But on the other hand, if I speak like everybody else speaks, well, maybe I didn't get it out of the sixth grade. I mean, it makes it, it not it's not just a question of godliness. It's just a matter of it makes you sound pretty stupid. I have a hard time reading something, no matter how smart the guy is, when he can't express himself without using expletives every couple of paragraphs. I, I just, I don't even, or, you know, several times in the same paragraph. I don't understand that because to me, it doesn't show sophistication. It's quite the opposite. Steve, I looked up the IMBD or whatever it's called, the movie thing, and it tells you in the little parental section about a movie. And you know, I love World War II study and movies, and so do you. And the Brad Pitt Fury movie, I thought, you know, tanking, tankers, uh, whatever they're called. Celtics. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did, did I say that out loud? And, and I think it was something like the worst word was repeated more than one time a minute. And so I just thought, how am I going to take my wife to just hear this over and over and over? I guess that's why I like the Brian Reagan uh, comics of the world, comedians, because they don't they don't have to use the the default to you know the George Carlin seven words or something. Well, and and you know before George Carlin, I mean when comedians used to, I Bob Hope, all those guys, you know they didn't have to use profanity to be funny. And I'm like, now which one sounds smarter? You know now it's just so hip to to be crude, rude, and socially acceptable, I guess. But it it just makes you sound like like an illiterate buffoon and not like some smart guy. That's why, you know, as I think about the more clever people, the more clever writers, the more clever comedians are those who can get their point across and, and make you think rather than just kind of go, hey, you know, like you're some seventh grade little goofball. Steve, in this uh, list, there's a mention of, oh, it's, there's no apple in the Garden of Eden, only fruit. We would, we would believe that. There's no mention of the church celebrating Ash Wednesday. We would believe that. But what about this one, number 14? The idea that God literally calls us to be our brother's keeper. And then I read Galatians chapter 6. 
If anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah, but was that written <clears throat> to the church at Galatia? <laughs> Well, the northern churches, southern churches, yes. Because I understand the northern churches had a problem with uh, being hospitable and and serving one another. And the southern southern churches had southern hospitality, of course, and were very kind and gracious. Steve has some Gnostic knowledge that you all don't know about, and I'm just so biting my tongue right now, you don't even know. I do. Steve, and, and that's all that matters. How about any mention of birth control? There's nothing in the Bible that mentions birth control. <laughs> uh, be fruitful and multiply. You, you know what? I'll, I'll never forget. It was Jerry Rag saying, you know, uh, this is a long time ago at a, at a marriage counseling thing or a, a premarital thing. And Jerry Rag said, uh, we teach exactly what the Bible teaches on birth control. And there was a pause. Nothing. <laughs> Well, if you'd like to study sometimes, I think you could find some of the things that the Jews did to prevent conception, but only the pagans would kill a fertilized egg. Yeah, and yeah. And, and would sacrifice their babies and all that kind of thing. To so. Actually, uh, alligator dung was used to kill. Uh, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. To kill. Well, that's a wonderful note to end on. <laughs> Feel free to write Mike at nocompromiseradio.com. <laughs> Or Tuesday guy at NoCompromiseRadio.com. No Compromise Radio with Pastor Mike Abendroth is a production of Bethlehem Bible Church in West Boylston. Bethlehem Bible Church is a Bible teaching church firmly committed to unleashing the life-transforming power of God's Word through verse-by-verse exposition of the sacred text. Please come and join us. Our service times are Sunday morning at 1015 and in the evening at 6. We're right on Route 110 in West Boylston. You can check us out online at bbcchurch.org or by phone at 508-835-3400. The thoughts and opinions expressed on No Compromise Radio do not necessarily reflect those of WVNE, its staff, or management.